0: Good morning everybody it's so good to be with you today. I want to encourage you to really make it a point to come to a welcome party. It is so important for us for you to feel like you are welcome and that you can be part of the family and so uh, that, those welcome parties at each of our locations, uh, Lake Travis and Austin and Kyle um, We really want you to come, and uh, even if you didn't RSVP, we still want you to to come and and check it out and find your place in the family, all right? All right, let's study the scriptures together. Turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, and we will get there in a few moments. Of course, we've been in a series called We Believe, and we've been talking about the Nicene Creed. Um, This this creed is a really essential document for us to embrace and to understand. Now, I think there's a, a danger, maybe, as we study the creed. Because if we look at it and we begin to figure out why they might have said there is one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, they start to to articulate who Jesus is in his divinity, the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, the only begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, Just, just ways to say in any way that you want to say it, he was God, talking about his divinity, And then talking about his humanity, how he came through a virgin birth, and how he died on a cross, and how he was raised to life. Last week we talked about being raised to life, and then we talked about his ascension and how Jesus was enthroned, and by that enthronement we are empowered as his people. And, uh, And then we talked about his second coming. And so these are important concepts, but there's a danger, I think, that subconsciously as we... Think about these things and study, and and we kind of all encourage one another in these things that we're like, oh, I've got it all figured out, or you know, I've really figured out how Christianity works, and we'll think of it in terms of an intellectual achievement. That faith somehow becomes this idea that we uh, mentally embrace it, and I want to challenge that assumption today. Uh, I uh, want to challenge the idea that it is just intellectual. Faith is not an intellectual achievement. Christianity is not a mental assent to the ideas of Jesus. I mean, let's be real. Lots of people like the teachings of Jesus. But there are many fewer who actually live them out. And so I fear that sometimes even Christians are living a powerless life trying to live out the ideas of Scripture out of their mind and just frustrated, fearful, weak, or discouraged because they don't understand the role of our subject today, the role of the Holy Spirit in their lives. And so I want you to join me. Let's say the the portion of the creed we're going to study today. Will you join me and say it out? It's right there in your message notes. It'll be on the screen as well. Here it is. We believe in the Holy Spirit the lord the giver of life who proceeds from the father and the son who with the father and the son is worshiped and glorified who has spoken through the prophets and i i think there is a necessity for us to sort of look at this and to realize that there are people who are nervous about who the holy spirit is and uh, i i grew up in actually a pentecostal tradition and I saw many, many crazy responses to the work of the Holy Spirit uh, in people's lives. I, I remember seeing my dad uh, experience the power of the Holy Spirit so that his body actually shook. I actually, um, so I grew up in that. I saw it. I, I saw many things. Um, it's so interesting. I was leading worship one time. At, uh, at new life church, where i I was a worship leader um, for many years, and I remember this moment coming on me the 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 worship service had sort of hit a a new height uh, a level uh, It just seemed like people were engaged in a unique way you could sense that the holy Spirit was was on people, and we were singing about running. I don't know what it was, but it was something about running. And I remember that as I was singing this, the thought came into my head, I wonder what would happen if I just started running around the church. This, this was a thing that I saw happen in churches that I grew up in. People would get so excited, they just couldn't stand it, and they just would start running, you know, uh, running around the 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 worship center or the church building or whatever it was, and that may sound so strange to you, but people were responding to God with their bodies. So you know what I did? We were singing it, and and I I went through one, two choruses or something, and then I just thought, I'm doing this. And it was almost like a surrender moment, almost like I was yielding to something, and I just took off (laughs) down the off the stage and started running around and here's the the hilarious thing about it was people just started following me we had a huge train of people running around the auditorium and it's like the whole group of people just uh ran it ran along behind me it was so funny and then i ran back up on the stage and then they didn't come back up on the stage they just went back to their seats but i but it was a really it was a really impacting moment of of almost like, um, wow, what, what, what is happening here is beyond what we want to imagine as a, as a church service. We're sort of going beyond the boundaries. And I, I I haven't, I never did it before and I never have done it since. I mean, that was the only experience I ever had. And, uh, I'm sure it weirded some people out uh, when I did it who were in attendance there. But I, I, I think the the idea is strong that there's, that the Holy Spirit is sort of outside the confines of what we uh, often understand or what we can imagine um, God is like and how he wants to interact with our lives. So I wanna, I wanna talk about that a little bit and I wanna uh, challenge our perspective a little bit. And the creed helps us really understand this and understand how the Holy Spirit relates to the Father and the Son. And so uh, the first thing I want to tell you is the Holy Spirit is equal with the Father and the Son. That's what the writers of the creed were trying to say here in this section. They're saying that the Lord is... The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And you can see the pattern that they've used. They've used God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and they used Jesus Christ, uh, Lord Jesus Christ. They used the word Lord on purpose. And here it is again. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life. They're saying that just as the Father created everything, and just as Jesus participated in the creation of everything, all that is, so the Holy Spirit also participated in the creation of everything. He is the giver of life. In fact, if you look at the one of the first verses in the Bible, Genesis 1, chapter, chapter 1, verse 2, you will see that the, the scriptures say, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And I, I think the Trinity is a is a difficult concept for some Um, and but it is it is a really meaningful idea because what it means is from the from from wherever whatever whatever uh moment we come to the lord whatever moment we come to faith we have to understand in that moment that he is a relational being And the Trinity emphasizes that, that he is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And they have a mutually loving, giving, and serving relationship among themselves. And what God is doing when we come to faith is he's inviting us into that very relationship. He's inviting us into that relationship. So... This, this little um, this little conflict within the Eastern Western Church, it actually has a term, if you want to impress your friends at dinner parties, um, it's called the filioque, the filioque, and it is a, a technical term for this, this little phrase, and the Son. But um, once again, we're trying to emphasize that the Holy Spirit is equal to the Father and the Son. And so the Father and the Son are worshiped and glorified, so is the Holy Spirit, and He is the one who spoke through the prophets. And so let's look at the Holy Spirit as the giver. Let's start at Romans 8, uh, chapter 8, verse 9. Uh, I know you think we'd never get there, but here we are. Romans 8, 9, you can follow along in your message notes or in your scripture. Here's what it says. It says, but you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. And Christ lives within you, so even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The Spirit of God, who raised Jesus from the dead, lives in you. Jesus was the first one to be filled with the Spirit, the first human to actually have that as part of the power, the resurrection power and life that came into him. He says that 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 same spirit lives in you. And just as God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by this same spirit living within you. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live for all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. We don't have to be afraid of God. Instead, we, you have received God's Spirit when he adopted you as his own children. And now we call him Abba Father. That word Abba, it means something like Papa. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. This is a really profound passage, and the first thing I wanna highlight to you, and I wanna suggest to you, is that the Holy Spirit is the link between Christ and the church. He is the link between Christ and the church. Now next week, we're going to talk about who the church is, who we are as God's people. And so that's going to be a a, a great conversation, but I want to suggest to you that sometimes we emphasize Jesus so much, and then we we love Jesus, and we talk about Jesus, and we we highlight who Jesus is and how wonderful he is, and, and then we just skip over and start doing things for Jesus that the church begins to focus on doing things for Jesus without understanding that there is a link between what Christ has done and who Christ is and who we are as his people functionally we kind of move from Jesus and what he's done straight into work straight into accomplishing things straight into doing things and that, that takes us sometimes to a works-based religion that ends up in legalism and judgmentalism. We're evaluating what each other's doing and, 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 and what, we're, what we're able to accomplish. And I think everything about the life of God in Christ falls apart without the Holy Spirit. Unless you understand this linkage between what Jesus has done and what we can do, unless we understand that, everything gets messed up. Everything about our faith goes goes off the rails. And so the the writers of the creed are putting this in here though the work of the Holy Spirit is profound and necessary and it, it provides some guardrails for us to understand you we can't do things in and of ourselves. If we don't talk about who the Holy Spirit is, then we're just kind of talking about the abstract nature of Jesus. We, we don't understand the life of God and how it comes into us because the life of Christ, what the life that Christ lived, only becomes a living reality by the Spirit. The life of Christ in you and the life of Christ in me, the life he wants to live through us, only happens by the power of the Holy Spirit. It is the only way it works. It's not an intellectual concept. It is a, it is a living reality reality. And so the Holy Spirit makes everything come to life. We live out the mystery of our faith under the power of the Holy Spirit that's inside us. The second idea I want you to understand is the Holy Spirit is the presence of God here with us. The presence of God here with us. Jesus himself made this clear before he, he left his disciples. He was getting ready to go to the right hand of the Father. He was leaving the earth after being resurrected from the dead. And here's what he told, here's what he told his disciples in John chapter 16, verse 7. John 16, verse seven, you can read it right there in your message notes so you can turn there in your Bible. Here's what it says, it says, it talks about the helper, who the Holy Spirit is as the helper. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment, concerning sin because they do not believe in me, concerning righteousness because I go to the Father, and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears... He will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you, all that the Father is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Here we see the beautiful interaction of a loving community, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and Jesus is describing it. And what Jesus is describing, first and foremost, is that the Holy Spirit is the promise of better, of better, now you have to imagine what the disciples would have heard in their minds as they listened to Jesus say, "It's to your advantage, or it's better for you that I'm going to leave." They saw years of miracles, incredible signs and wonders, and, and he was saying to them, "Now I'm going to leave, and it's going to be awesome for you." And they're thinking to themselves, "How can this be? This, this can't be the way it's going to happen." God had a better plan he had a purpose he was working it out he was going to send the work of the holy spirit the person of the holy spirit the power of the holy spirit to to live in each of us the same holy spirit who convinces us of sin i want you to notice what he says what jesus says here the same holy spirit that convinces people of sin before they actually come to christ is the same holy spirit that convinces them of their righteousness once they have accepted Christ he's a person who is active he's active in people's lives he wants to convince them of their need for Jesus he wants to convince them once they've recognized their need for Jesus that they are righteous justified and that they've received all that they need for life and for godliness, that they are God's children. The Holy Spirit is con- not only convincing people of their need for Jesus and their, as he convicts them of their sin, but then once we come to faith, there is a shift. There's something that happens. He's not focusing on sin anymore. He's focusing on righteousness and power to overcome sin. Does he still convict of sin? Sure he does. But it is within the context of this isn't who you really are as a child of God. This isn't who you are as God's a son or daughter. Don't let this stuff take over your lives. He's convincing us that, that Jesus is enough. That Jesus is all. You know, Some people wonder, like they're trying to figure out, You know what is um what is of Christ and what is not, you know, what it what's the right spirit to accept into our lives, and sometimes, you know, people are, are, are concerned, they're not sure when people are talking about religion, what do they really mean, we're talking about a God as a spirit, and, 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 and we got a lot, of, a lot of new age philosophy that is in our culture and in our city, and the question really becomes, What now, it sounds kind of like you're talking about God, but are you really talking about the same spirit that, that I'm talking about? That's a that's a big question and one of the ways you can tell one of the ways you can tell who they're talking about is whether or not that spirit glorifies Jesus whether or not that spirit lifts up Jesus as the central character of the Christian faith, whether or not it lifts up Jesus and his sacrifice for sin, his coming to the earth. And so the Holy Spirit is this person who's convincing us of these things, and I think it's important to see that he, there are, in the scripture, all through the scripture, there are two complementary ways in which to see and to understand and describe the Holy Spirit. And the first way to see him is as a person as a person i want to submit to you that god's personal presence has come to us that if jesus is at the right hand of the father even now the scripture says praying for us interceding for us that the holy spirit is here within us he is here among us his god's personal presence with us in a moment of struggle or in a moment of encouragement or in a a moment of 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 power that is given to us we see him as a person who's helping to free us second corinthians 3 17 through 18 says now the lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the lord is there is freedom and we all who with unveiled faces reflect the lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory which comes from the lord who is the spirit <laughs> here's that language again talking about him as a person who when wherever he is present there is something that indicates freedom that he's freeing people i want you to notice what it says here where the spirit of the lord is there is freedom and I want you to see this little phrase, freedom is not the absence of something, but the presence of someone. So many people get this wrong. They try to study, they try to think their way out of their addictions or out of their struggle or out of their sins. They try to think their way through it. It is really not possible. You have to accept the work that Christ has done for you on the cross and then you have to believe that he is with you by the spirit, that the Holy Spirit is with you and in you as a person and his presence means that you can receive freedom. Transformation is something that we talk about a lot within the Christian faith. But we get confused about whether it's God's job or our job. Sometimes we think it's our job to, to figure out how to be transformed. It's our job to make things work right. It's our, our job to do what the scriptures tell us to do. But listen, I want to suggest to you that the Spirit of God, who understands the love of the Father, and the scripture we just read in Romans talks about how His Spirit mingles with our spirit, and we cry out, Abba, Father. He understands the Father heart of God, and so the, the Spirit of God, I think, treats us like, a, like a, a baby learning to walk. Now, I don't know about you, I've, I've had five kids, five kids, and they... And they all went through a season where they cruised the furniture... Do you know this season? Like you're freaking out, especially the first one. The first one uh, the first one walked at 10 months. And so we were re- like really nervous about this. And so uh, Zachary was trying to get up on the furniture, trying to pull themselves up and, you know, trying to make make the, the leg thing work. And then they fall down. You just think they're going to gash themselves on their head. And sometimes they do. But the interesting thing is, God was really wise in the way he made humans. He made them really small so that if they fall down. They don't have very far to fall. (laughs) It's easy to fall down and not get really hurt. And so, and so, but as a parent, you're like guarding them and all that. And, and, and then there's a day. I don't know if you know this day, but the day comes, you realize Oh, they're going to walk. It's right here. It's happening. And then they finally take their first steps by themselves. And and you, like a parent, you go nuts. You're like, yes, you can do it. Come on. Come on. Come on. Yes. And and the baby just goes and falls into your arms. And you're like, yes, this is so good. You're so awesome. It's just three steps, people. (laughs) I mean, it's not that impressive. It's, it's, it's a baby taking three steps, but the parent rejoices and celebrates it. I want to suggest to you that this is the, the idea of how the Holy Spirit treats us. That he celebrates even the tiniest of steps towards righteousness and power, that he, that he is leading us and guiding us and wanting us to surrender to him, to lean out to him while we're taking our first steps and lean into him and let him receive us and celebrate us. I think this is, this is how it works and, and I, I, I think, we tend to think that we're after, God's after some kind of compliance or some kind of obedience Listen, the truth is, the scriptures are full of people who tried to obey, but their hearts were far from God. Even if you obey, but you don't don't develop a relationship with him, you're missing the point. You're missing the point of the person, of the Holy Spirit, and the fellowship that he wants with you. And we need to surrender to that person. We want to be filled with that person. We want to reach out to that person second way that the scriptures describe the Holy Spirit is as a power. Not just a person, but also as a power. And this language seems to be interchangeable all throughout the New Testament. You see it in the writings of Paul. You see it in the writings of the Gospels. And then you see it in uh, uh, the book of Acts uh, under the author of, of Dr. Luke. And so you see this empowering presence. God's empowering presence coming on people. Jesus described this very thing in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. He said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You know what he said right before this passage? He said, I want you to wait right here. And I'm going to, there, there is one who is going to come and baptize you. In other words, you're going to be immersed in him. You're going to be immersed in his presence. And he said, when that happens, you're going to receive power. And you're going to be, receive power for a purpose. And that purpose was witnessing, was sharing the love and grace of God with other people. And this is where we run into trouble so much, as we've, as we've already t- spoken of. We try to do these things witnessing to people, sharing the love of God in our own strength rather than the strength of the Holy Spirit. I want to submit to you that we are not doing something for God as much as we're doing something from God. That we're not doing anything in and of ourselves for him. He doesn't really need us to do anything. He's strong enough, he's powerful enough, he can create anything, he... But he has invited us into a relationship, into a friendship, and he he says, he he says, come and I want you to I want you to be part of who I am. I want you to get who I am inside of you. I, I want you to understand who I am and how deep my love is for you. and And as a father, and you cry out to me as a as a dad, and you look to me, and the Spirit comes into you and fills you up and begins to empower you to do something not for God, but from God. Changes the whole narrative. Life and power are no longer about doing good things, but about making sure we're plugged into the source of life. Sometimes we want to help God out, but you know what he said right before he said, what he said to the disciples in Acts 1.8, he said, I want you to wait, (laughs) just wait. Just wait, wait for the work of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God comes upon us. And he plugs us in to the source of life. I, I want to su- submit to you that the Holy Spirit is kind of like electricity. You know, you, you plug in the light, you plug in the radio, you try to turn it on, there's nothing. We have to be plugged into the source of power, and the Holy Spirit is that source. And his power begins to flow through us and that's how freedom begins to be displayed. And the, Because the problem that Jesus came to solve, really, was not our bad behavior. We're not just try, he's not just trying to get us to behave better. But he wants us to reconnect to the source of life and to surrender to him over and over again. David was just such a man that we see the surrender in. And if you look at Psalm 51, this is after he had failed miserably with Bathsheba and he had, he had actually done some really awful and terrible things and he, he, he writes this psalm and he says, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions, wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin, create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Listen, if we make salvation only about forgiveness, that we're just being forgiven over and over again. It's like, a, it's like that math teacher that invites you up to write the equation on the board and you're super nervous and you go in front of the whole class and you're trying to write it out and then, and, and then you, you do the equation, but, but the teacher comes up and says, this, it's wrong, it's totally wrong, but there's good news, you get to do it all over again. She erases the whole board and you get to do the math equation again. This is not good news to do it over and over and over again without getting it right. That's not what God has in mind for us. What He has in mind for us is that He wants us to understand the formula for the math equation. He wants to give us the knowledge and the insight and the power and the wisdom. He wants to give us the, the insight about how the gospel works through the life of the Holy Spirit. That's why He's the giver of life. But He's not just the one who gives it, He also helps us. He stands at the board and helps us do the math equation. He empowers us, he strengthens us, and this is what David went through here. He says, says, Lord, forgive me, wash my sins away, but don't just wash my sins away, create in me something clean again, but in addition to that, give me a steadfast spirit. Give, another translation says, a loyal spirit. In verse 12, he says, restore to me joy of salvation and grant me a willing spirit. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He grants us a willing spirit. The idea of helper means a counselor, a comforter, a an advocate, and an advocate is one who does something on your behalf, and so this is what we have to embrace as the work of the Holy Spirit, and I wanna invite you to do that today. I wanna to invite you to let the Holy Spirit into your life. Now, listen. On Wednesday, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit again at first Wednesday. We're going to worship together. We're going to talk about what it looks like to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about how he lives in us and how we live out each of our days with the helper, with the advocate, with the life-giving person that is God living in us. This is so critical to our Christian faith. As many of you as can, I want you to come to First Wednesday, and we're going to talk about—I mean, we're going to talk about all kinds of aspects of the Holy Spirit: how to live it out, how to be filled every day. We're going to talk about what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is. We're even going to talk about um, praying in tongues. What's that all about? I'm—I'm going I'm to just explain. I'm going to put it all out there. We're going to talk about it. I want you to come and uh, take advantage of that on First Wednesday. So I want you to put your stuff away here and I want you to just come to the table of the Lord. And I want you to close your eyes and I want you to bow your head and I, I want you to let God's spirit speak to you. And I want you to think about confessing to the Lord your need for someone to help you. Your need to be given the insight to live out the faith that you're holding. Jesus, of course, set the table, his body, his blood, broken for you and I for the forgiveness of sins. But I, want, I wonder if you'd come to the table of the Lord this morning and see it as a place where he has provision for you, that the Holy Spirit that he sent is provision for everything you need for life for godliness uh, we, we practice something called open communion at one chapel and that simply means if you'll come you want to come because you love Jesus and you, you believe in him we want you to participate if you're uncomfortable for any reason please don't feel pressured alright in Austin you just want to walk through um, as they go through the lines there's a station in front of each section in Kyle you'll Grab the communion elements right out of that cup holder right beside you. And the band is going to lead us in worship. And so let me pray for you. Let me pray over this as we come to the Lord's table. Father, thank you so much for Jesus who shows us the way to live. But then there's more. There's the work of the Holy Spirit. And you've given him to us as a gift. And then he has gifts for us. And so we wanna be filled with all that you have. Everything that you are, we want it. Everything that your spirit has for us, we wanna be friends with the Holy Spirit. We wanna receive the power of the Holy Spirit. And so lead us and guide us. Forgive us for doing things on our own, in our own way, refusing the help, somehow walking alone, Just uh, even with a a mental assent to the ideas of Jesus, forgive us for this and help us to embrace all that you are today. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's begin as the band leads us in worship.